Well, I think in order to keep history from repeating itself, we need to become more knowledgeable of what's going on today. And again, uh, even in our organization, one of the problems that they said that existed, that even though we started back in 1994 trying to make a difference, there hasn't been a lot of intentionality going forward. So one of our strategies is to get people to, to intentionally try to make things different. We, we can't be ignorant to the fact that the racism still doesn't exist. It's time for Mid-South Viewpoint. Hi, and welcome to the show today. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure to get together with some good friends, Aaron Campbell, pastor of the Rising Sun Outreach Ministries, also Don Gilbert, pastor of Kingdom Community Builders. Gentlemen, so good to have you both in the studio today. Just glad to be here. So what's been happening in your families? Get some updates. What's been going on? Well, just been busy, busy, busy. One of the things we've been doing lately here is preparing for a great event that's coming up in March with an organization that both Don and I are part of, PCCNA. We've got anniversary coming up, 25th anniversary of the Memphis miracle that took place back in 1984 here in Memphis, which brought religious leaders all across the country to Memphis to come together just to collaborate and bring about racial reconciliation. That was all under the umbrella of the Pentecostal Charismatic Churches of North America, I sure. believe, Don. Mm-hmm. Is that right? Mm-hmm. Well, I think at that point, it would have been the Pentecostal Fellowship of North America, which is composed of white leaders coming together with Church of God in Christ Mm -hmm. to talk about separation and the unity that they had in doctrine, but in practice, the separation they had because of color. And that was 25 years ago. 25 years ago, they met. Just had a great time. Just a miracle. That's why they called it the Miracle of Memphis, to see the races come together. 94, you said it took place. Took place in 94. 68, Dr. King was assassinated here in our city. Mm -hmm. Quite a few years went by between 68 and 94, right? Sure. Why didn't the church show up before, do you think? I don't know. Well, obviously, uh, you know, ignorance, you know, not understanding the whole culture of each other. and But I think what happened, uh, the... The uh, races got together, especially the whites, and decided that enough was enough, that they'd been separated too long, and that wasn't the will of God. So they decided they had to come together. Separation wasn't the will of God. That's what Aaron just said, Don. What's your thoughts about that? Well, you know, when you look back, and I guess it depends on what generation you were born, some of those things seem incredible. I was right at the cusp of the civil rights movement. And so growing up, I remember that uh, they had separate restrooms, separate water fountains. But it didn't necessarily impact me where I was. And then growing up, there's that sense of, really? You know, I grew up in Florida. I found out that there were lynchings just 30 miles from where I lived. And as a kid and a teenager, never heard that. I never heard that. And so, you know, for me to look back and think there was all this separation I have to, you know, it's mind-boggling to me, but if you go back a generation older than them, older than I was, then that's the way of life. Coming at you. A few years ago, attended a group of about 125 pastors that came together for a time of reconciliation. And I remember, to my surprise, too, discovering that one of the most horrific lynchings in American history took place right over off of Summer Avenue between the Summer Twin Drive-In Theater and the Putt-Putt Golf and Games sure. back off the Wolf River there. And so we actually parked our cars, walked across the field, and went back to a little almost swampy area 
to this area with the abutment that was there, remains of that, Mm -hmm. where that lynching took place. Guys, I just... It's mind-boggling. Oh, and it just, my heart just broke, and these tears just started coming Mm -hmm. when we had that time. But, you know, reflecting and confession and repentance, something definitely needed and something that can't be overlooked. I think the problem has been is that there have been awareness of it, but... To intentionally do something about it has been the problem. Yeah. But I also think you hear the term lynchings, but it seems vague. It seems so far away. Sure. But when you actually go to a site and but, you hear the story of what took place, mm-hmm. and you didn't have any idea that you grew up right there, that you used to work as a teenager at the Summer Twin Drive-In, mm-hmm. and didn't realize that happened mm-hmm. right there. i tell you, that was at the Wounded History Conference. And I remember I was there at that site. So we were there together. That was just an unknown piece of history that came out to me. But they talked about that, that at that lynching, that schools closed and that crowds came out to picnic. And I was amazed. And I remember telling Eric Winston, one of the pastors here in town, I said, I just can't, I can't believe that, that that took place, that people would come and picnic to watch a lynching. And we're not his, talking about a handful of people. We're talking about people thousands. dressing up to their Sunday best right. and coming out for like they would to an event. Sure. And the response that Eric gave me was just so revealing. He said, Don, you can't believe it. He said, but I can believe it because I know that I have relatives who died because of, uh, of being killed during those times. And he said, and we have stories, that every family has stories. And so it just communicated to me how clueless I was, how ignorant I was about things that took place, and a whole history of African-American experience and feeling and emotion that I was so ignorant of. Yeah. You know, and some Aaron might say that, well, that was history. That's our past. I wasn't part of that. So why should I be concerned? Well, I think in order to keep history from repeating itself, we need to become more knowledgeable of what's going on today. And again, uh, even in our organization, one of the problems that they said that existed, that even though we started back in 1994 trying to make a difference, there hasn't been a lot of intentionality going forward. So one of our strategies to get people to intentionally try to make things different. We we can't be ignorant to the fact that the racism still doesn't exist. We can't be ignorant to the fact that there's still, you know, bias, inequality in education. And these are the things, I mean, racism comes in a different form, but it still exists. And so what our organization uh, is intentionally trying to do is to bring in an awareness that we need to be intentional on what we do to try to make things better for the races. As you mentioned, on March 19th is the commemorative date for 25 years since that service that took place with Don Evans, young white Assemblies of God pastor, back on October the 18th, 1994, washed the feet of Bishop Ithiel Clemens of the Church of God in Christ. Pastor Evans repented to Bishop Clemens and asked for forgiveness for his white brothers and sisters. And that was a real monumental moment. Yeah, I think uh, I hear a lot of... uh uh, whites uh, on occasion say, you know, well, that's something they did. We don't feel that way. But I think that even though we weren't personally responsible for what took place with our ancestors, I think we do have a responsibility to prevent it from happening and do all we can 
to make sure that we do come together. I just want to stop right there a second, because as you look back in mm-hmm. the scriptures in the Old Testament, gentlemen, you see times when God would deliver Israel or bring them through different experiences, and he would tell them to make a marker, put stones down, like stones of remembrance, mm-hmm. to remember those times so they would not forget. Sure. And it's in our nature of humanity to forget the to atrocities, forget. unfortunately, but we do need to have these markers to help us remember. Well, yes, because it does still exist. And again, you know, uh, when you look around our city, you know, when we see the disparity, we see the number of juveniles that's locked up. We see the number of blacks versus other races. That means that we still got a a long ways to go. We've come a long ways. We're not complaining about our our success, but we still have a long ways to go in order to bring about racial reconciliation among the races. Uh, Again, I don't think it's such a problem as much uh, in our leadership as it is with our leadership communicating it down to their flocks. And that's what our problem is. Aaron and I have both heard Don Evans tell his story uh, probably three or four times. Mm-hmm. And every time I hear the story, it just brings some tears to me to hear that story. When you look at the context of the Church of God in Christ, denomination, coming together with assemblies of God, so black and white, who have so much in common theologically, but have been separated just because of color. Mm -hmm. And now they're gathered together, and this was not anything planned. Don Evans felt moved by the Spirit to go up to the podium and ask Jack Hayford if he could wash the bishop's feet. So what's remarkable about this miracle is it's such a movement of God to say, we need to repent and move forward from this. That's just incredible, because that's just a miracle. It was not the intention, but that happened. And that turned it around to where they stopped this North America Fellowship Pentecostals that was all white. And they said, we need to disband that, and we need to come together as a black-white group, PCCNA. That's the history. That's what we're celebrating. And that's why it was created. Gentlemen, talk about some of the strides that you know have been positively made since that night on 1994. I think from a leadership perspective that we have come together. We do. The problem is that we set a lot of strategies. We we talk together and we talk about the needs. But the biggest problem is is actually executing those strategies once we leave our meetings. And that's one of the things that we're trying to, uh, at least problem that we're trying to uh, solve. Uh, but we do we do believe that there's been some changes, uh, you know, major changes. We do come together. We do fellowship a lot more together. Uh, there is a lot more fellowshipping and worshiping together. But again, the problem is that what happens when we leave the church? Uh, that's what we're trying to do now. What happens when we leave that Sunday sermon? How do we connect after we get through? Do we come together as as, as black and white brothers and try to learn each other, try to get a sense of uh, a knowledge of each culture. Because once we identify that I have, you know, we have more alike than we have differences. And once we understand that and learn about each other, like Don and I, we, you know, to me, I don't see color. I see a a brother who who loves me and uh, and I love him. He's there to help me, you know, when I'm going through. uh, I need some help. He's there to help me to be uh, something in the way of an errand and her to hold my hand up as the leader up here at this local office of the PCCNA. So we see that that's coming together. Well, we see brothers coming together, worshiping together, 
hugging each other, loving each other, fellowshipping together, learning about each other. So I think that's one of the things that I think that is taking place. But what we're trying to do is make it more intentional so it doesn't just stay with the leadership, but it passes down to our flock and our congregation. Yeah, that's a good word, Aaron. Don, you mentioned that your ministry is Kingdom Community Builders. For a long time, you were on staff here in Memphis at Central Church. Tell us about the work that you do there at Kingdom Community. Well, I worked at Central Church for 29 years, and towards the very last couple of years, we looked at how we were doing local missions and felt that we need to change our model and how we did that. So we made a paradigm shift. So instead of just broadly supporting a number of parachurch organizations, we decided to adopt a zip code and go deep instead of being wide and shallow. And so came into Orange Mound, uh, hooked up with Larry Lloyd, Howard Eddings, and talked about community development, felt that that was a good place uh, to come in. And so started to do a ministry of community development there, moved my family. We've been in Orange Mound for five years now. So we work in our neighborhood to be a strategic neighbor, partner with schools, partner with churches, partner with community organizations. Yeah. And talk about that transition, what it was like for you to make that step. Well, it was one of those things that you come to a point in time where the Lord says, you know, I've, I've gifted you, I've prepared you. You don't know what he's prepared you for, but it's like he turns life upside down. And in the middle of just being content in suburban ministry, it was the Lord saying, it's time for you to leave. Um, I'm going to make you uncomfortable. We'll take you out of that comfort zone and put you in a place um, for you to serve me where there's tremendous need. And so it's a hard transition because you have to go in and to learn a whole different culture. Mm-hmm. It's In a sense, it's like being a missionary even though the language is the same, you're going in to learn a whole different culture, and the culture of poverty is so different than what we experience in the suburbs in Germantown and Cargillville. Give us some examples of what you've experienced and, and some of that the comfortability that you, you, you talked about. Well, I think, you know, when you're in Cargillville in Germantown uh, and you, you come home and you drive into your garage and close the garage door and you go inside, there's a sense of safety there. Uh, when you're in the inner city, um, sometimes there's not that same sense. I mean, you're coming into a place where you have to put bars on the windows where you, my car insurance tripled because of the number of cars that are stolen. Mm-hmm. Uh, the sense of crime, the domestic violence, the number of times you hear a police siren, you know, every day. Um, the fact that there are people on the street who don't have a washer and dryer, you know, and they have bed bugs and they got to throw everything out. People on the street who don't have money to pay their MLGW bill, who lose a job because they don't have transportation to get to the job because the car broke or they can't take the bus. And so you're overwhelmed with these daily issues that you never even faced or thought existed when you were in Cayville and you. Aaron mentioned the school system. I mean, our kids went to Riverdale, an excellent school. But the kids we have in our tutoring program that come in, you know, they're one, two, three years behind. They're not at reading level. And, you know, you sometimes think, well, if that happened, you know, in Cairoville or Germantown, you'd be at that school 
chewing that principle. And then we live in this system where everybody's behind. And that hopelessness of what are we going to do to change that, just the huge problems and institutional structures. And so it's a whole different world of things that you face on a daily basis that you would never dream existed living in the suburbs. We in our organization set several goals oh, about a couple of years ago. And those four goals was education. Uh, how do we deal with educational inequalities within the city? We talked about advocacy. How do we advocate for certain groups? And we talked about fellowship, intentional fellowship, and also prayer, how prayer interwines with all of that. And, and again, I think a lot of it has to do with just plain educating the races, not only white races, black, but Hispanic. The Hispanic uh, community deals with a lot of areas of problems that we don't deal with. So so we advocate on their behalf, just like we advocate on black issues and we black causes. Because you'd be surprised the number of people in our city who are who are really are not aware that these problems exist. Yeah. And so they're so untouched and unmoved by them and, and don't look at it as a major problem where those who are really looking at it every day see it from a different perspective. So what we're trying to do now is to educate uh, not only our children, give them a quality education, but educate the races right. as to what's really going on within the city and how we can be effectively help those races get it together. And Aaron, you're not asking all white listeners to come move into Orange Mound oh, so no they can means. understand. That's not what you're asking. No, by no means. But you are asking for people to try to understand, to try to make themselves available and connect. Tell me what you... Intentionally uh, educate in, in, themselves in, on, yes. on the other culture because once you understand the perspective of a human being or another culture, you can begin to sympathize. Uh, you can be more compassionate yes. to their problems and to their needs. I'd like, I'd like for you also, if you would, Aaron, as Don shared about Kingdom Community Builders, give us some background a little bit about what you do through Rising Sun Outreach Ministries. Well, I'm the pastor there, and I would theme that our church is basically sort of family-oriented things. We, we talk about the strength of the family because we believe that the family is the backbone of the community. So goes the family, so goes the community. We, uh, several years ago, decided that we would open up an outreach center. We didn't call it Family Life Center because Family Life Centers generally cater to the church. But we opened up an fam- uh, outreach center to cater to young men and women. And thousands of young men and women have been served as a result of that outreach center. We, we bring them in and we teach them. We, we train them on the principles of manhood. We talk about how they should... You know, teaching them how they can become more productive citizens. We've, we've, we've had young men that were really lost. I mean, didn't have any uh, way to go. They're on the streets. We brought them in, put time and effort into them, and change. We have a poster a young man that uh, years ago, uh, he would come in that building every day, every day, causing problems, cussing us out. And uh, on one occasion, uh, my brother and I, my brother had to literally pick him up and uh, we took him home, and when I got home uh, to his house, we took him into the house. He he went in the kitchen with real rage and threw something at me to look like a hatchet. <laughs> but my point was is that we didn't stop with him. We just kept working with him. And after that particular incident, this young man decided that we really loved him. If we would go through all of that, and he's basically our poster boy now, not only does he come to the outreach center now, he's in his 30s, but he actually— 
comes over and help and oversee and pour into the other young men. So we feel that what we've tried to do to bring about some some type of sanity to these young men have been a great help over the years. Sounds like it. I'd like to meet this young man sometime. Oh, yeah. Maybe you could bring him by. And, uh, we'll yeah. let him come by and, uh, you know. Tell the act, story. Yeah. Tell the story. In fact, let me give his name to Sean Morris. I tell you what. Sean Morris. He, he's, a, he's a great guy. I can't wait to meet him. Looking yeah. forward to it. Okay, now, coming up, as you mentioned, March 19th is the uh, commemorative service. It's open to the public, taking place at Mason Temple. Can we kind of talk about the night and what you see is going to unfold and what's going to happen? Well, one of the things we're trying to do is just bring the city of Memphis together under one umbrella. We've got some leaders across the nation that's coming. Bishop Baker is going to be there. Samuel Rodriguez, who is over the Hispanic organization. Doug Clay, who's over the Seminars of God. And we'll have... Great choir, the PCCNA Mass Choir under the leadership of Barbara Jackson Sago, who's pretty well known within the city, which will be accompanied by her brother, Maestro Derek Jackson, along with my son, Aaron Patrick Campbell. Just a great choir, a mixture of black, whites, Hispanic, and other races coming together under one umbrella, just singing to the glory of God and just having a great time. Did you carve out a place for Don to do his solo? Oh, Don, oh, Don Evans? Don Gilbert. Oh, no, Don Gilbert? No way. No way. <laughs> we don't want to run the whole thing. It's a wise thing. It's a wise thing. I don't even know whether Don can sing or not. So this sounds like a really great event. Now, we mentioned before we started doing our recording here today, don't let the name Pentecostal put up another wall for no. you not to participate. This is not a denominational oh, event. No, it's not. No. It's open to all if you believe in Jesus Christ the Lord. Well, anybody, just come and, and enjoy our theme is going to be talking about what we've accomplished in the past, what we're doing right now in the present, and our theme for the future. So, yeah. so regardless of what your religious affiliations, we welcome you. Come across the city. Come on across the city and enjoy yourself. Both you gentlemen have been talking about education, educating individuals. Is there methods or plans in place ongoing right now when we talk about educating younger generations? Is there plans? Is there ongoing work? that you guys are involved with or PCCNA is doing to help educate younger generations? Well, I think we we have a commission now that just started to focus on the next generation. And the next generation is much more open to racial reconciliation. That's a part of their life. They've been to schools that have been mixed. Um, They don't have the same issues people uh, do that are 50, 60 years older. In terms of... um, Education, I think there's so much that's taking place. I mean, you're seeing it in schools. You're seeing it in conferences that are taking place. There's all types of racial reconciliation movements that are taking place, even things within our city. I think for the young people, they get it much better than we do. You know, millennials are just working together. That color is not the issue for them. Maybe, too, education part for this younger generation would be to tell the stories, to remind folks of really what we've come from. Sure. You know, i tell you what, we've got uh, the young people are just really, like Don said, uh, uh, it's really amazing that uh, they are seeing things from a different perspective, considering their parents uh, didn't see it that way. And, uh, again, some of the influences that their parents had, it obviously is not handed down to them. And I don't know whether it's because of our intentionality of coming together, you know, the schools, you know, uh, uh, integrated. And I don't know, you know, uh, whether that's been a big difference. But again, for some reason or the other, you would think it wouldn't be that way. These young people just see things from a different perspective. I mean, just totally different. Yeah. Uh, they can communicate and laugh and play and, and, and joke with each other. And, and 
But they somehow or another they just don't see the color as we saw it coming up, you know, you know, years ago. What about ongoing meetings that you might are they're open for other pastors to come and, and individuals to come to that the PCCNA you guys meet on a regular basis? We meet monthly. About the second Tuesday of every month, where okay. we come together and uh, we just fellowship. Where do you meet at? Uh, different churches. We just go from one church to the other. Okay, so those listening that might not be involved that would like to come and you know participate, how can they find out about you guys? Well, they can give us a call. Uh, my, my my number is nine zero one two six eight nine zero zero five. And Don, you might want to give out your information also. My number is two seven seven one six two six. Same area code, 901. Mm-hmm. And then folks can call you and find out information. But you also have a was Facebook or a web page? Yeah, we got a, a PCCNA Facebook page. Uh, you can just go in and please like our page. We also have set up a, a prayer, FaceTime prayer, that we're going to be doing on a weekly basis. So you can join in on that. Uh, and so uh, we're just trying to spread the word and just trying to come together. Amen. What time on the 19th, March 19th, is this uh, time at Mason Temple? You have the. I didn't see the exact yeah, time. Seven, seven o'clock. Seven, seven o'clock. o'clock. Mm-hmm. Okay, seven p.m. in Mason Temple. I don't know if you have an address. I'm not trying to put you on the spot here, we do? but yeah, we got an address. What's that address? Done? It's nine thirty Mason Street. Nine thirty Mason Street. I mean, this is the historic Mason Temple. Oh yeah, the Church of God in Christ Temple. World yeah. Headquarters. Yeah, headquarters. great location. Beautiful place. Yes, we're just going to have a rocking, shaking time that night. So make sure you come <laughs> and don't miss it. You don't want to miss it. Gentlemen, thank you so much for what both of you are doing for Christ's kingdom right here in our city. God is reconciling the world through his son, Jesus. So we are giving through Christ the ministry of reconciliation, as you well know, the word teaches us. And that is reconciling, you know, all people, God's love for each human that walks this earth. Thank you so much. Y'all are great friends. Y'all have good times together. Yeah, we just enjoy each other's company and just enjoy the fellowship. That's what it's all about, becoming more intentional and trying to establish relationships. Friends, we're going to say goodbye. Don't forget now, on March the 19th at Mason Temple, 930 Mason Street, you want to come 7 p.m., get there early, get a good seat, Mm -hmm. and it's going to be a celebration. Again, please make plans to come. If you'd like more information, you can call Don Gilbert at 901 277-1626 or call Aaron Campbell at 901-268-9005 Wow, this has been great guys as always, love getting together with you and having you share your hearts thanks so much for being so so real with our friends today Thank you very much Well friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of Mid-South Viewpoint Thanks for stopping by I'm Byron Tyler and we'll talk to you next time God bless you